I'm Steve Rossi, lead pastor here at the Gospel Tab. If there are any visitors here who do not know me, uh, it's such a privilege and an honor and a joy to be together in this way, isn't it? To be called by Christ first to himself, to have this good news be our story. And not only our story as individuals, but our story together. Amen? That we get to journey with Him, for Him, together. We have good news, first for the bad news in our own lives, and now to give away to others for their bad news. This great exchange because of Jesus. Amen? And today's Vision Sunday... And uh, I'm excited to share what I believe is God's vision for this house. God's vision for our faith community right now, that he's speaking in a lot of ways on prayer and discipleship. And I want to talk first about how he's speaking to us, because right, his voice has to be the, the source from which we get our vision, right? So... We can we can make this assumption that well what is God saying you know what what is God saying to us but the reality is like his presence has to be primary in order to know his voice right his presence has to be primary in our church in order to know his voice and so I want to start with what he's speaking to us on the foundation of worship and prayer. Uh, that's a fresh word right now. I believe it's a big vision of God for the big story from Genesis to Revelation. For all of God's worldwide church, God is saying, of which we're a part, right? We're an expression of that. That God is saying something very specific to our family right now about what is nearest and dearest to his heart. His greatest dream, his greatest desire to be on earth with man forever. And so I want to root this sermon in that vision and what he's saying for us in our context. And then I also want to talk about the vision that he has for us for this year about discipleship um, uh, out of that foundation. You know, from the beginning, the book of Genesis, to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, God has this great vision. You know, the Bible is not some instruction manual. The Bible is from God. It's His words. It's God-inspired. It's about God, who He is, and His great love for us. It's a love story. <laughs> from beginning to end, it's a love story. And so, when He created the earth, when He created the garden, I'm giving context for His vision right now for us as a church family, okay? When he created the garden and the first humans, Adam and Eve, he dwelled with them in the cool of the day. Before there was any tainting of sin, before sin entered the human story, before sin entered the human condition, Jesus dwelled with man on earth. And the idea was that it would be forever. <laughs> there was no sin, there was no death, right? But then sin enters the story and disrupts that temporarily. Moses, the story picks up, Moses is the leader of God's people, Israel, the people of promise, right? And Moses is leading them. And if you can uh, put on the screen, Zane, uh, this verse of what the Lord says to Moses, he says, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. 
From every, from every man whose heart is move, moves him, you shall raise my contribution. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. He doesn't have to do this. He's not doing it because he's needy. Do you know that the Trinity, as in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, were completely satisfied in their love, in their union, in their harmony of relationship with one another? They weren't lacking. They weren't insecure, right? <laughs> they created us because they love us. They created us to be loved by, uh, to be loved by them and to know the Lord and to experience His love and to know Him fully, right? And so... But God chooses. He says, no, I want to dwell in the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle of Moses. This is how I'm choosing because I desire it. This is what I want. I want to dwell among my people by my manifest presence because we know his omnipresence is everywhere, right? So he's talking about dwelling among his people in a distinct way here. And he's saying, I want to, I'm going to move the hearts of some people and they're going to pay for it. And because he wants them to share his heart for this. Catch this as his vision for us today. Because this is about who he is, right? And his love for us. And what his design is to be amongst his people. And so, where this whole love story is going. If you can go to the next slide. Where this whole love story is going. Where it will culminate and be established forever on earth is the new Jerusalem, about which the angel of the Lord said, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there. No need for lamps nor sun, the, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the big vision, right? This is where it's all going. And so, what does the early part of the scriptures and what does the last part of the scriptures where this is all going Christ's return and him being with us and us knowing him fully what does that mean for us today well it's no surprise that David the king of Israel sometime after Moses sometime before Jesus about a thousand years before Jesus came to earth David was the king of Israel and David captured the heart of God and so if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, which we'll read from Psalm 132, verses 1 through 9. And there's some weird words in there, and we already read a lot together as a public scripture reading. So I'll read this out loud myself. Remember, O Lord, on David's behalf, all his affliction, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, Surely I will not enter my house, nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the field of Jar. Let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your godly ones sing for joy. You can be seated. Okay, so Israel's enemy had the Ark of the Covenant in the field of Jar. I remember um, learning about this when we were in 1 Samuel. I believe John Weber was preaching that sermon. But they had the, they had the Ark, and Israel got the Ark back. And the cry of David's heart 
was, I want to build God a house for his manifest presence in the Ark of the Covenant to dwell and us to worship and praise him uh, around uh, his presence. And so what he does is he basically brings the Ark back to Jerusalem and he pays what's equivalent today to billions of dollars for musicians and singers to get. So there's the moving of the heart and the paying for it, right? <laughs> for what God's heart is. David gets something of God's heart. He pays, he invests in what matters to him most. And he gathers skilled musicians and singers around the ark, the presence of God. And they worship him day and night. It's organized to where they're worshiping him 24-7 for 33 years, a prophetic picture, many believe, of the life of Christ. 33 years, not ceaseless worship and prayer, patterned after heaven, patterned after God's design. And the Lord said to David, you did well that it was in your heart to build me a house. You did well that it was in your heart. He captured something of God's heart, right? And so after that, um, it, or in verse 1, it says um, that David was afflicted. Kind of strange language, right? David was afflicted. And, and that Hebrew word means to be disturbed, to be oppressed by a conviction. David was kind of haunted by this desire to build God a house. See, he hadn't built him a house, but he did gather around and pitch this tent, this tabernacle, where they would worship and where the ark was. And God called David even a man after his own heart. And this is why. Because he captured something of God's heart. You see, because this wasn't David's affliction. It was God's. This was not David's suffering. It wasn't sourced in David, though God marked David with it. This was God's affliction. This was God's love sickness. This was God's suffering. And he calls us to share in his suffering that we might share in his glory. It's right, brothers and sisters, when we gather together like this, we often will encounter his manifest presence. Why? Not because it's some kind of trick or magic, like, or, or switch or formula or string we pull on that works. It's because God is drawn relationally when we come together to worship him. Because he so desires to be welcomed and treasured. He so desires... And he is enthroned on our praises. He comes in near on our praises. And he wants us to grow in this. And so the Lord gave me fresh vision for this when he marked my heart about nine months ago. So I've shared this at one campus, but not the other when we were two. And so I'm going to share this again and more fully as part of Vision Sunday because I really want this to be an impartation. I really, I really believe God wants this to be something to mark us with. And, and so I was gathered with four others. It was the Furmans and the Ceases um, late last year. And we were worshiping Jesus as the Anointed One and Lord. And um, soon after we had begun, the Lord... Uh, the, the only kind of language I can, I can use to describe it that I could think of is apprehended or seized me 
it was like, it was a good thing because it was God. But, <laughs> but for about an hour and a half, I was on the ground experiencing what's called travailing prayer. Now, you may have heard of that or, or know what that is or have experienced that yourself. Travailing prayer is when we weep by the Spirit of God in travail as capturing something of the heart of God. Like, it's like His heart that we're experiencing, whether it's for a nation or whether it's for worship and prayer or whatever it might be for, right? And so we had no idea why this was happening. And it, it, it was weird. And I was experiencing something of the, pa like the pattern of contractions as God's, the waves of God's intensity and His glory of His manifest presence came on me more strongly. But as that happened, what's most important in this story is the word of the Lord that came into the room. You see, because Lexi got one part of Psalm 132, which we just read, and Caroline got the other part of Psalm 132, and they didn't know it was the same chapter. And the word of the Lord that came into the room was about this, Christ's affliction. And what, I, what was happening to me, unbeknownst to me, is that I was embodying, he was marking my heart as a leader of this house with what matters to him most. His affliction, his love sickness, his suffering to be on earth with us forever. <laughs> And he was marking me with something of that, but he was marking all of us with it, and the word was Psalm 132. And that's the focus of this morning, and that's why the vision of the Lord is to catch something of his heart on this and to grow in the spirit of 24-7 worship and prayer. Notice I said the spirit, I didn't say, oh, now we're just going to like strive and figure out how to worship and pray in a room for uh, ceaselessly tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but in the spirit of that, that he wants us to grow in this unto and until his return. Unto, because that's getting ready. We sang that this morning. It's a big part of getting ready. And I'm going to talk about how, why we do this just for him. It's not to get something from him or to, for us to be on fire for mission. Those things happen. But we come for him. Those things, he takes care of the fruit. He says, you just abide. <laughs> you just come and worship me and adore me. I'll take care of the, I'll mark your life and you'll bear much fruit. <laughs> right? Like we're not coming to him though for, as a transaction. We're coming to him for him. And so... The Lord is laying a foundation for us. But there's no stronger picture we get. Oh, and I just want to close that thought by saying, that story by saying, that what, what God was doing was He was giving the interpretation for the groan of the Holy Spirit. Right? So we talk about interpretation for tongues. Well, there's a lot of ways God speaks. What's the interpretation of your dream? What's the interpretation of your groan in this case? And that was the interpretation of the groan. Um... And so, I'm laying a foundation for us again for God's vision, and it's in verse 8. And in verse 8, it says, Arise, O Lord, to your resting place. God is looking for resting places. God is looking for resting places. And that's different than He's looking for more churches. <laughs> He's looking for people who welcome 
who treasure and who consider primary his manifest presence because everything flows from the white hot center of his presence. His love for the lost. His, the dream he's put in your heart. He'll activate you in it. He'll heal you up and free you up and fill you up to prepare you for that dream. To partner with him in his work in obedience to him. But he's looking for resting places because it's from there that the rest happens. Where his people seek him for him. And I believe that we are one of those places. I believe that God is saying that we, I'm not, I'm not saying that like I just think that, you know, to feel good about ourselves. I believe that God is saying, I've found a resting place here. I've found a place who's making my presence primary as a foundation for healthy, equipped leaders to go from here. For multiplication of leaders who are healthy and equipped, for generational transfer, younger generation of folks in a context who can be raised up in the presence and the anointing of the Lord, because he's welcome here, and also unto regionalization, that, that we will reach, our reach will go farther the more the spirit of 24-7 is true of us as a resting place for the Lord. And I'm going to get practical with that. So let me take this one step further, then I'll be done. I believe that the New Testament, excuse me, I believe that the, the tabernacle of David is the prototype for the New Testament church. And you might say, well, Steve, that's Old Testament. It's not even New Testament. But I want you to consider that the early church, as they were scattered and persecuted and non-Jews started coming to Christ, and they were wrestling with these issues of, of their, those groups' customs and practices, and what did it mean for, you know, for them to be part of this family as the church, the New Testament church, right? This is what James, the leader of the first church in Jerusalem, remembered was prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Amos, if, if you could put that up on the screen. This is what Amos prophesied about the New Testament church. After these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the fallen tabernacle of David, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. The New Testament church's primary function is to be in the spirit of the tabernacle of David, in the spirit of 24-7 prayer. And he's giving us his affliction to keep the main thing, the main thing, that we will be his resting place because everything flows from his white, hot presence. You remember the words we just, I shared last week about the fire? See, God's saying this right now. He's saying there's a fire on this church and that will go from this church to the nations. Remember the church, the flags were caught on fire and the vision that someone had in prayer and someone had a, a two people had identical visions of fire representing God's presence being on this church. God is saying, you're my resting, you're a resting place. I've found a resting place here. His eyes have looked to and fro and I'm honored to share his heart. I'm honored 
to with you be a family after his own heart, brothers and sisters. This is good news. <laughs> what God's doing. Yeah, there's things we still aspire to. It's not a, I'm not talking about arriving as some kind of, oh, we figured it out. You know, now we can all go home. I'm talking about, though, that God has found this in us here. He's the one who did it in our hearts, right? So whatever's true of us that's good was, was sourced by him. We sang about it. He made us free. We got baptized about it. He made us free and gave us new life, right? And there's no greater embodiment of this than Jesus on the cross. Me in a prayer room for an hour and a half is like nothing. Not to make little of what God did, because God did that. But Jesus is the greatest picture on the cross of his affliction for what he desires most. <laughs> what did the cross accomplish but to restore us in relationship to the Father and even to be with him on earth forever at the end of it all? Jesus embodied this, this affliction, this suffering, this lovesickness. The Bible says, and I quote it often, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's our joy to share with Christ in his sufferings. Even as it's our joy to share with him in his glory. Because we want the whole Christ. Right, brothers and sisters? We want his whole person. We want him. <laughs> because in him is abundant life. In him is the freedom and the desires for which you most long anyway. Amen? Amen. And the more we grow in the spirit of 24-7 worship and prayer, the more we experience that firsthand in our spirits that we know by faith, yes, He is what I always ever wanted. Right? And His work, His will. It will be food for us in the days of head, ahead to do his will. All right, brothers and sisters, as a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered family on mission that is being built on the foundation of worship and prayer, it's also being built on the scriptures. And when we talk about our holistic discipleship, I want to move now from that foundation on which we're called to build this year. And that is specifically, we've referenced it before, the teacher, the pastor, and the evangelist arms of our church. Now, the, I'm going to use the engagement pathway as a reference for that. And, you know, the teacher arm obviously has much to do with the scriptures. On the engagement pathway, you may, I know this is small, but in the bottom left corner, it says foundation of prayer, worship, fasting, and scripture. And we say here at the tab, one of our values is the Bible, right? Because Jesus is the word of God. We love the Bible. The Bible is the God-breathed, God-inspired word that trains us in all righteousness, that corrects us and rebukes us and teaches us for our good because of God's love for us, right? Well, we want to create more spaces here for that. 
We want to create more spaces for the study of God's Word. And so if you can see the deeper life groups that are in um, the circle in the top right corner, deeper life groups uh, are places where people can come together around, say, a topic through a curriculum or the study of God's Word. And we anticipate and, and are, are structuring building that out related to the study of Scripture. In the, in the winter, there's going to be a women's study on Ephesians, for example. And we have a ministry leadership team that is going to be working on building that out more. But there's also missional communities, of which we have about a half dozen here at the Gospel Tab. And missional communities practice the value we have as up, in, and out. You might say, well, up, in, and out, what is that? Up is our relationship with God and our worship of Him. In is our relationship with one another. Out is our mission to the world with the love of Jesus. And so that teacher part, that teacher part in missional communities, there's a regular rhythm of studying the Word of God. So I encourage us, there are things that already exist where, we've, where we have prioritized His Word. And we want to, that's one of the ways we want to grow is that more people are involved in those spaces. Because that's the holistic discipleship space for our church, that we've said, oh, this is a great value, these missional communities. We want to capture what it looks like holistically to follow Jesus. One of the ways we do that is studying His Word together, and it's more potent, it's more effective to do that in smaller gatherings. That's why Grounded and the DNA class are going to be so effective, because, you know, you have time to unpack things and grow in relationship together. All right, and it's also, as we build this out, it'll, it'll create more opportunities for our teachers to exercise their gift, the gift they are to us as the body, um, and more spaces for them to do that, whether it's in the leadership development tracks, which is also in the top right circles, where we have one-off trainings or trainings as part of a pathway towards something, say membership or prayer ministry or something else. We want to create more spaces through that development track for teachers to teach um, as well. So another practical piece is the pastoral arm. We have the Freedom Center, which is in the top right as well. The Freedom Center, you may know, consists of Restoration Prayer Ministry, which is Emotional Healing and Deliverance Ministry. We have partnerships with uh, counsel the Christian Counselors Collaborative, the CCC, and other counseling partners. Um, and so we have these existing spaces for pastoral care and discipleship. We also have pastoral counseling if there's situations that you find yourself in that you just want to talk to a pastor. We have a pastor pastoral staff that would love to come around you in that way. But we also want to build on that more spaces for care and discipleship through the pastor part arm of our church. We want to create spaces for you to experience the love of God. Say that you're, say that systemic poverty is a part of what you're going through. You just can't get a lift out of that. And you need connections socially. You need connections to, to, um, things spiritually and financially that to get out of that in a systemic way, in a, in a real way, we want to develop places that come around that. I feel like I'm like a, a politician, like sharing my plan. That's not what, that just feels weird. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> I just felt that all of a sudden, like I'm just sharing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but I'm just like, but uh, yeah, so we, we do, we want to build, we want to build stronger this pastoral arm of our church. And we don't have all the answers to that yet, but we're going to be working on that because we know God's speaking this vision to us for this year. Um, and it's also a place to activate our pastors. And, you know, we did a pastor's pilot uh, a few years ago, where we wanted to provide places for them to disciple one another, care for one another. We anticipate more of that um, at the pastor's leading and say, asking them questions. Hey, what would be most helpful um, to help you in your gifting as you walk alongside people for the long haul in discipleship? So I think that we'll learn and grow in discipleship of each other. And by the way, through this too, this development, but by the way, missional communities, the in part of missional communities, right, is the pastor part where we break up into groups within our missional community and we say, how are you doing? Is there anything I could pray for you about, right? Or what was highlighted in, in the scripture that we read together and what is God telling you to do and what are you going to do about it? So sometimes it's accountability and discipleship. Other times it's care and support because we're hurting, and we need, we need each other, right? So missional communities are a great, I just, I can't overstate missional communities because they're a great holistic way to engage this in the life of our church. Lastly is the evangelist arm as well. Again, the out part is the evangelist arm. Our missional communities reach our neighborhoods with the love of Jesus. And, um, and so I encourage you to connect to one of them. Uh, but we also, we want to continue to grow in how we reach our communities through how God has called our family to, making you aware of where the opportunities are. Say the Greenhouse Network, it's in the bottom right corner. The Greenhouse Network is a place locally and regionally, thanks, Zane, where... Um, you know, you may have a shared passion with something that someone else has created, or God may be calling you to start something. And out in the network, without going into detail and explaining what that is today, um, there are spaces for you to connect beyond the tab. Um, but we also believe that in addition to that, not instead of it, um, but in addition to that, that God has called us to serve one another at the tab too. And so we're here in this family has God called you to serve and, and also to be served, right? Because again, we get ministered to when we, when we do life together. Um, and maybe he's also calling you out there in that way, if it's not, say, a missional community here and so forth. And so, but through those different ways, we can contextually evangelize. And so, um, there's so many ministries out in the network who are reaching people that we wouldn't otherwise even know artists, you know, the coffee shop in downtown Aliquippa, and there's so many, but, um, and, and there may be ways to get connected there. So th those are ways of evangelism, but also I want to speak to global missions as I close here soon. Global missions, we want to recapture what we had pre-COVID. And so we're going to be going to have, we're going to solidify our partnerships and we're going to start as early as this summer, a missions trip to the DR. Um, and so, yes. And so that's our hope. And with our partnership there with mission 2535 and Rick Romano, we have partnerships in Senegal. We have partnership uh, in Spain with the Eatons uh, who we are there sending church. And so I do anticipate, and we want to see where else has God, you know, there's, 
there's um, somewhere in the Dominican that a number of folks know them through different ways. And it's like things like that. It's like, oh, maybe God's speaking on a kingdom connection there that he wants our church family to come around. And so we are, we are developing a team and, and getting that going who will also communicate to you more regularly on Sunday mornings about these partnerships. How can we pray for them? How can we give to them? What mission trips, you know, might be going on and, and things like that. And so uh, we do anticipate growing in these areas this year in particular on this foundation. And so, again, remember the fire catching the flags. I just know that God is speaking this and talking about um, us reaching nations through our generosity, through our going, and through our prayers. Amen. Heather, would you be able to come and play? I appreciate it. Well, when God's presence is primary, there's a holy fear, wisdom, joy, peace, and prosperity among his people. You know, after David's reign to circle back to him, Solomon, his son, reigned. And his kingdom, Solomon's kingdom, established on 33 years of ceaseless worship and prayer. Number one, he continued that. But his kingdom was marked by wisdom, prosperity, dominion, and peace. Well, there was a reason for that. It was established in this context of 24-7 worship and prayer. And you know, David never would build God a house. You may know this story. David didn't get to build God the house that he so desired to build him, but Solomon would. You know the reason David couldn't build God a house? Because he was a man of war. He was a man after God's own heart, but God was also like, you can't build me. You did well that it was in your heart, but you can't build me a house because you're a man of war. I referenced the cross earlier. Brothers and sisters, Jesus won the ultimate war. Consider David a type of Christ for a second with me. Jesus won the ultimate war on the cross for us to build him a house. (laughs) For us to build him a resting place. Now all that's left is love. All that's left And you say, well, the world's pretty much a mess out there. It's like, but when we are activated in the love of the Father here, we bring heavenly solutions to that mess out there, right? And so because Jesus established his throne forever and ever, which, by the way, is called the throne of David. I don't know why. Just the the honor in that, though. (laughs) And the fact that this is so treasured by God in that reality means that we now walk in the wisdom of Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We now walk in the prosperity of the things of the kingdom of God. All the glorious riches of our inheritance, all that are Christ's are ours. We now walk in the dominion, the authority of Christ. Jesus won on the cross. He won back the keys that were stolen from us by the enemy. And because all authority is His on earth and in heaven, we make disciples. (laughs) We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
right? And we go on mission in Christ's love. Because of the foundation of Jesus' throne, we walk in the wisdom of Christ. All hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Him, and we're in Him. (laughs) We walk in the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ rules our hearts if we want it to, because that's our inheritance. Amen? And verse 9 says that we're clothed in righteousness, that we're clothed in, the, in salvation as we worship and sing to the Lord. Experiencing these blessings, right, to be a blessing to our neighborhoods and nations. We are blessed to be a blessing. Let's live in the blessings of the Lord that we can give the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.